Hey, let's open our Bible, Psalm 107. We're going to do Psalm 107 today and next Sunday in, uh, in honor of uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, I, read, I got a couple of quotes for you. Uh, this one's by Johnny Carson. How many of you know who Johnny Carson is? Yeah, yeah of course. He says, uh, Thanksgiving is an, emo- is an emotional holiday. People travel thousands of miles to be with people they only see once a year. And then discover once a year is way too often. <laughs> I hope that's not the case with your family. Uh, but I like this quote better from Franklin Roosevelt. He said this, and I quote, Almighty God, who has given us this good land for our heritage, we humbly beseech thee that we may always prove ourselves a people mindful of thy favor and glad to do thy will. That's a little more like it. He's being thankful for what God has done. Because, you know, if you're going to have Thanksgiving, right, you, you need to have somebody or something to be thankful to, right? And that's kind of what we're talking about. So let me ask you, you know, I, I haven't been here for a couple of weeks, so I just kind of wonder how, how your life is going. Are you having a good life right now? Is there stuff going on in your life that's really good? Or maybe there's stuff going on in your life that's not so good? So let's all just go around the room and just hear about your life. Not. If we went around the room, you know, there's, you know, a number of you here. You know, the stories we would get of the different places that we're all in is, is this radical. Some of you are like, you know, you're just doing so good and things are just like all falling into place. Things are really going well. And others of you, like, it could never get any worse than it is right now. And then there's probably a lot of you kind of in the middle somewhere. Well, maybe you just came out of something bad and, and you're about to go into something good or you just came out of something good and you're about to go in, into something bad. But life is like that, isn't it? It's full of all kinds of different uh, scenarios, good and bad. Is that true? So, you know, some of the songs that Chris picked today, I think kind of tied in with that, even the song that he sang here. Uh, but blessed be your name, you know, he talks about, you know, being thankful and blessing and thanking the Lord even in the bad times, not just in the good times. Because God is good. And God's love endures forever. So we're going to look at Psalm uh, 107. And uh, it's a psalm of thanksgiving. It's a song of thanksgiving. Can we switch that uh, overhead over, please? Uh, and it, it really, the, the theme about Psalm 107 is this, is that, that the Lord is the Lord who hears when we cry out to Him. He's the one who hears when we cry out to Him. In, in Psalm 107, it's a long psalm, we're only going to do uh, half of it today. Uh, there are really kind of four situations. And these are, you might say they're negative, I don't know, but just four situations in, in, in different people's lives. And, and uh, number one is people who are lost and wandering. Number two, people who are in darkness or in prison, in gloom, bound up. Number three, uh, in affliction. And number four, in the storms. And, you know, one, one person said this about Psalm 107. 
some of the most common calamities of human life and how God answers prayer. You see, you know, before the, before the fall and the Garden of Eden, things were wonderful, you know. And, and just the history of our planet, the history of human life, you know, God created, and it was beautiful, it was wonderful, but sin entered the human race, and things got really not very good. But God sent his son Jesus to be the answer for us. But, you know, all the, all the stuff that happens in this life, and it's not always easy, is it? But, but God uses, and I, I really believe this, God uses even the terrible and the horrible things in our lives to get our attention and to get us where we need to be. But he's always there waiting. He's always there ready to answer, to hear our cry and our prayer. That's what I believe. And that's what I think this psalm teaches, teaches us. Now, if you're there at Psalm 107, I want to look. Let's jump to the end first. Let's start at the end. In verse 43, it says this, Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. So really what, what he finishes up with is that, you know, whoever is wise, let him listen, let him heed. The things that he talks about in this psalm, listen and pay attention because it, you know, it may not be you now, but it may be you at some future point. Or it may be somebody around you, but, but he ends up with the love of the Lord, and I really think that's where it is. So let's look at back to, to verse 1, and again, we're just going to do the first two of these scenarios. Verse 1, he says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. Why should we give thanks to the Lord? You know, he, he spells it out for us very clearly. There's two main reasons here. Number one is that he is good. He is good. One commentator said this, that, that he's essentially, that he's perpetually, that he's, that he's infinitely good. He is good. He is, God is good. That's just who he is, you see. So to be thankful for that. But the second thing is that his love endures how long? Forever. And I, I was thinking about that, you know, the, the, the situations that he talks about here, and then our problems and the, the situations in our own personal life, do they last forever? No, they don't. They feel like they last forever. Like, what, when is this ever going to end, you know? That Psalm 13 that we sing, how long? How long is it going to go on like this? How long do I have to feel this way? How long is, you know, the problems going to continue in my life? But his love is, endures forever. Our problems, they're only temporary. They're only, they're only temporary in, in comparison to what he has planned and, and the love that he has for you and for me. Verse 2, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Say what? That he is good. Can you say that with me? He is good. We can read that together. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I, I can barely hear you. My ears aren't that great, so you're going to have to speak a little bit louder than that for, for my benefit. Let's say it one more time. 
Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. This, this phrase, this sentence here is found like over and over in the Bible. In fact, there's one psalm where after every line it says, His love endures forever. You know, there's something to this. And he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Now, is that all we do is say it? Spurgeon, uh, who you see in your bulletin, we're going to read some of what he wrote here about uh, Psalm 107. But he said this. He said, thanksgiving and thanks living. You've heard, you've heard other people say that, but Spurgeon came up with a lot of these things, and people just use them and take them for their own. Thanksgiving is something we give, but thanks living is also how we live and with, with a thankful heart. So to speak it out, and, and, and later in the psalm, he talks about sa- uh, sacrifice of thanksgivings uh, or sacrifice of thanksgiving, where there's something that we, we make a sacrifice. It might cost us a little bit even to be uh, uh, giving thanks and living thanks. But notice it's, he said there, those who, those who he redeemed from the hand of the foe, and those who, those who he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. God has done something in, in my life. God has done something in your life that he's redeemed you. He's taken you out of the grip of the foe, of the enemy. That's something to be thankful for. I know my life was completely swallowed up by the enemy and what, what he wanted to do with my life. And, and Jesus grabbed me and took me up out of that and gave me a whole new purpose, a whole new life. That's something to be thankful for, isn't it? And then he gathers together his people and, and uh, puts them together. So the first scenario we're going to look here and, and starts in verse 4. And, and perhaps you can relate to this. I know I sure can. He says in verse 4, some, not all, but some, wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. They wandered. This word wandered means to be lonely, to be desolate, to be searching. He says they were wandering out in the desert wastelands. They, had, they couldn't find the way. How can we find the way? We need to find a place where we can settle, where we can be home. And home really is a place where you can be secure where you can be safe, hopefully. I mean, that's, that's the way I think God intends a home to be, a place of safety and security. Now, I know, I understand that, that many homes are not like that, but when God comes into a home, I think that's what he brings. Safety, security, peace. They couldn't find the way. There was no home. They can't find the place they're looking for. They're searching, wandering. I know that's like, that's like my life. That's like what my life was before I, before I found Jesus and before I asked him into my life. I was, I was lost. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. Maybe, maybe you remember what it was like before you became a believer. It was just like there's no purpose. There's no safety. There's no security. There's no home for you. But Jesus changes things. He changes things. He changed my life. He gave me a, a home. He gave me peace in my heart that I didn't have before. 
You know, it makes me think, and I was, I was thinking about this too, about, uh, about church homes. Because you talked there in the, the verse before about gathering people together. And, and, you know, gathering together in kind of a church home. And I, and I think about that too. And I think, you know, I see people who come in as visitors, you know. We, we, we get visitors from time to time, and maybe you're visiting here today, and we're not going to put you on the spot and make you stand up, because it's awkward being a visitor, isn't it? We, we went to a couple different churches. Now, we went to a church uh, two weeks ago, and, and we've been there a number of times, so we didn't feel like we were that awkward, but we went to a different church last Sunday, and we were visitors there, and you just feel kind of like weird, feel like awkward, like, you know, I don't know what they do here, and maybe it's not what I'm used to, but, you know, but you feel like, you know, you're not at home. But when my point of, of all this is, there is a point, is that when people come and, 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 and I talk to them, I get a chance to talk to them sometimes, and I say, you know, what you, what you need to find is a place where you feel at home, where you feel this is your home. And, and you know what? I think for the most part, most of you, uh, you know, believe this is your home. This is where you belong. This is where you, you feel safe here. Hopefully you feel safe here. I'm not going to, you know, throw anything at you and, you know, make you uh, uh, run out of this place. But that's like, that's like what, what we are in and of ourselves. We're, we're lost. We're searching. We're, we're trying to find a home. He says that they were hungry and their thirst and they were thirsty and their lives ebbed away. Their lives ebbed away. That's like those words, like, you know, Spurgeon also has talked about Psalm 107. He said the poetry found in Psalm 107, there's, you know, there's nobody that, you know, no secular kind of poets can, can compare with the poetry we find in, the, in Psalm 107 and also in the whole book of Psalms and the, the other poetry that we find uh, that the Bible is full of. Their lives ebbed away. The literal translation of that is their soul fainted within them. Their soul fainted within them. Now, you know, even as believers, even as believers, I think we can get to this place where we, we our soul is just like fainting within us. We just like, we're, we're, we're kind of wandering. We're, we kind of, we haven't, you know, we're, we're not where, we where we're supposed to be. Any of you ever felt that way? Even as a believer, we can get to those places. I, I know, you know, I've, I've, it's happened to me in, in my life where you get to those places where you just, you, you, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you want to have this relationship with God. You want you know, things that are going on in your lives that just, they don't seem to be coming together like you want them to, like you hope that they would. So what do you do? What do you do? That's a big question, isn't it? Well, Psalm 107 tells us what we should do. Look in verse 6. It's, excuse me, it says, Then they cried out to the Lord, in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. 
After all that, after all that they've been going through, what happened? It says they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Now, four times, the four situations in this psalm, the same kind of thing. He he talks about where they are, and then what happens is they cry out to the Lord, and God answers them. God hears them. That's why I said this is the, the kind of the theme of this psalm. And I believe with all my heart that God hears us when we cry out to him. These things are written for you and I to take notice, as we read in verse 43. If we're wise, we're going to pay attention to this, that if we find ourselves in one of these situations, that we need to cry out to God, and God will hear us. And God will work. The problem is, and I don't even know if this is a problem. We'll read what Spurgeon says about it in a minute. But we, we so often we don't cry out to the Lord until we get in trouble. Right? You know what I mean? We wait until, you know, I can do this. I got this, God. I'm, I'm okay. And then we find ourselves, you know, wiped out, flat out. And then we cry out to God. Until we realize that we can't do it, we're helpless and we're hopeless without him. Israel, the nation of Israel, you read the history, you read the, the history of the nation of Israel, they did this over and over and over again. They would get themselves into a, a bind in trouble, they would cry out to God, and then he would answer. And then what? And then things would go well for a while, and then they'd get themselves back into trouble again, and then they'd cry out to God. And guess what? He said, no, I'm not going to deal with you anymore. You cried out to me one too many times, that's it. Is that what he did? No, he heard them again and again and again. Maybe that's why there's four different examples found in this psalm. I think it's, I think it's the same uh, you know, history, the same pattern is repeated in our own lives, too. Things are going well, and, and we don't really think that much about God. We don't think about, you know, who he is. We don't think that. But, but when things get bad, and we find ourselves in dire straits then, and I know this only too well personally, then we get down before God and we cry out to him. Then we're listening carefully. We're carefully listening then we're looking for the answers. Then we're opening the Bible. We're saying, God, you've got to help me. You've got to speak to me. Well, he was there to speak to us and help us earlier too, but I think there's something in this. That's what I said. He, he uses these things in our lives to get our attention. I don't like it. Do you like bad stuff to happen in your life? I don't like it. But God can use it, and God does use it. It says there, he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way, verse 7, to a city where they could settle. He led them. He, he heard their cries, the cries of their heart. He knew they were sincere, and he heard them, and he answered them. I printed these uh, quotes up by uh, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, it, you know, he was a, a Baptist, Okay. Let me just get that out right now. But he was a Baptist preacher in the city of London, you know, 100 years ago kind of thing, a long time ago. But, but before, and, and, and 
made me think too, uh, you know, they didn't have PA systems back then and he had, you know, a tabernacle with thousands of people in it and he would just speak without a PA. Like, how did he do that? We, we can't speak, you know, to a small room without a microphone. But anyways, I, I want to read some of, the, some of this, not all of it. So if you open your bulletin on the, on the left side there, verse 6, see what Spurgeon had to say. He just had such a way with words. Uh, it blows me away sometimes when I read. But listen to what he said. Not till they were in extremities did they pray. But the mercy is that they prayed then. And they prayed in the right manner with a cry and to the right person, even to the Lord. It does no good to pray to anybody else. There are a lot of false gods out there you can pray to. But pray to the Lord. He said, nothing else remained for them to do. They could not help themselves or find help in others. Therefore, they cried to God. Get this, supplications are, which are forced out of us by stern necessity are nonetheless acceptable with God. He even, even though they're kind of forced because of how bad it is, he still hears it. It's acceptable to him. That's mercy. That's grace. But indeed, they have all the more prevalence since they are evidently sincere and make a powerful appeal to the divine pity. Some men will never pray till they're half starved. And for their best interests, it's better, far better for them to be empty and faint than to be full and stout-hearted. If hunger brings us to our knees, it is more useful to us than feasting. If thirst drives us to the fountain, it's better than the deepest drafts, draughts, drafts, whatever of worldly joys. And if fainting leads to crying, it is better than the strength of the mighty. And he delivered them out of their distresses. Deliverance follows prayer most surely. God hears us. God will hear you. God is there for you and for me. Verse 8, he says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. How he hears, how he answers, how he delivers us from our distress. God hears and he delivers. He just doesn't listen and say, Okay, that sounds good. You know, you, you go to a counselor, right? And, and they listen to you, and that's really good. We need people that will listen to the cries of our hearts. But God does, God does more than that. People can only do so much, but God, He actually can deliver, and He delivers you and I out of our distress. Let them give thanks to the Lord. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. Look at verse 9. I really like this. He says, For he satisfies the, hungry, the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things. He satisfies. You know, this word satisfy literally means to fill up. He fills up the thirsty and fills up the hungry with good things. Why? Because he is good. True satisfaction is only going to be found in Him. 
There's no other place to be truly and ultimately satisfied. Let's get to the second group before we run out of time here. Some sat in darkness. Verse 10. In the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. Darkness and deepest gloom. Darkness, gloom, prisoners bound up. Sometimes we find ourselves in places like that. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's not our fault. This particular case, look at verse 11, it appears to be their own fault. Some of the stuff that we face, some of the darkness we face, some of the things that happen in our lives are our own fault. We, they're self-inflicted. We have made bad decisions. We end up where we are. That's just the way it is, right? We reap what we so it's just, it's just a, a, a spiritual principle that that's, what, that, that that's what happens. But verse 11, he, it's very telling about kind of an attitude of heart. Verse 11, for they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. They rebelled, they rejected God's word. They despised his counsel. That's not a good idea. And yet we do it. The the human heart is prone to rebel. There's a a verse that that says in Isaiah, you know, uh, for I was a rebel from birth. And I said, well, that sounds like me. You know, we're prone to rebel. And and we, you know, from a young age, you know, and, and I use this example often, we say, you're not the boss of me, right? You start saying that at what age? Two, probably, some probably even earlier if they can talk. No is the first word most kids learn, no. And so it's like within us this, this, this propensity to say, I don't, you know, no, I don't, I, w- I want to do what I want to do. I want what I want. I want to go my way, not your way. And so we end up in places that we shouldn't be in, in situations and kind of Stuff going on because we have rebelled. We have said no to God and what God's plan and what God's purpose is. That's how we get into trouble. That's how we get into trouble personally. And I, and I also believe that's how we get in trouble as a nation. And it's been going on for a long time now where we have been rebelling against the words of God in our country and, our, and, and many leaders, you know, uh, taking the lead and saying, no, we don't want to go and do what that says. We have got a whole new plan. This is a whole new way. Well, we're going to reap what we sow, just as we do on a personal level, as a, on a national level, we will reap what we sow. Billy Graham used to quote that, you know, you've sown to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. And that's really what will happen. But I believe this, that God is just in allowing us to go our own way, letting us have what we want so that we might find out that it's empty. That it's actually not only empty, it's deceitful. It's deception. And it's a dead end. He'll let us go. He doesn't force us. He doesn't, we're not puppets. He doesn't force us to do what he wants us to do. We, we have a free will. 
He'll let us go. But look at verse 12. It says, so he subjected them to bitter labor, bitter labor. And they stumbled and there was no one to help. If you go to your blue letter Bible, you can look this up and this word uh, for subjected, it literally means he humbled their hearts with labor, with bitter labor. He brought down their hearts. In other words, you know, God will let us go, but, but we're going to reap what we sow and hopefully it's going to humble us to realize that his way is, is the only way. His way is the best way. You see, you know, God doesn't give us, you know, a bunch of rules and regulations to follow. Some churches make it seem like that, you know, that the Bible is just a bunch of rules and we just got to follow all this and, we, you know, it's a legal thing and all that. God tells us the right way to go. Why? For our own benefit, to protect us, to help us, to, to bless us, really. And when we say, you know what, I'm not going to follow after them. I got, I got a new plan. I got a better plan. And then we find out, you know, that we've been deceived. We've been lied to. Because it's really not better. The way of the world is not better. It's, it's all built, it's, you know, it's the proverbial house of cards. It's all going to fall. It's all going to crash down and burn. Because it's not according to God's words. God's counsel. Notice it says there they stumbled and there was no one to help. They had rejected the only one who could help, and then they find themselves completely and totally on their own. Talk about being lonely. Talking about, uh, you know, being solitary in this misery of darkness and the shadow of death. Because, well, you want to go that way? Go ahead and go that way. But verse 13, we again see the same thing spelled out. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Again, he heard their cry and he saved them. He brought them out. He broke away their chains. That's incredible. That's the God that, that the Bible is talking about, whose love endures forever, that, that he's there for you and I. Even, even when we rebel against him, if we basically turn back to him and cry out to him, he hears, he answers, he's there. Let's turn to the second quote by uh, Spurgeon there, verse 13, if you will. Verse 13, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, not a prayer till then. Not a prayer till then. Wow. While there was any to help below, they would not look above. No cries till their hearts were brought down, their hopes were all dead. And then they cried, but not before. So many a man offers what he calls prayer when he's in a good case and thinks well of himself. But in very deed, the, the only real cry to God is that which is forced out of him by a sense of utter helplessness, helplessness and misery. 
We pray best when we are fallen on our faces in painful helplessness. And he saved them out of their distresses. Speedily and willingly, he, spent, he sent relief. Speedily and willingly. This next sentence gets me. They were long before they cried, but he was not long before he saved. Took us a long time before we got to the place where we'd pray, but it didn't take us, thankfully, it didn't take him a long time before he answered the prayer. He said, well... You know, he could say that, right? Well, you know, you, you kind of like took your time, but, you know, till you finally got it together before you'd pray and talk to me about this. So I'm just going to let, you know, let you have a little bit of time, a little more time to think about that. Even though now you finally got to the place where you really are repentant, you really are turning to him truthfully and sincerely. But he isn't like that. He is not like that. And I'm so thankful for that. They were long before they cried, but he was not long before he saved. They had applied everywhere else before they came to him. But when they did address themselves to him, they were welcome at once. They were welcome at once. He who saved men in the open wilderness can, can also save men in the close prison. Bolts and bars cannot shut him out nor long shut in his redeemed ones. He's the only one that can rescue you and me from the bars, from the, from the prison, from being bound up. Jesus is the way. He's the one who saves you and me. Verse uh, 16, excuse me, we did verse 16. Verse 15. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he breaks down gates of bronze and he cuts through bars of iron. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. This is a pattern. This is a pattern of the human race where, uh, uh, you know, we, we face something difficult. We, we face some kind of trial, some kind of calamity. We get into this desperate situation and we cry out to him and God hears. And not only hears, he rescues. He's always there. He's always there when we turn to him. Say, you know, that doesn't sound like thanksgiving to me. But when you really think about it, you know, we have... You know, we have this time where we have all this bounty and everything, but real life isn't really like that, is it? And, and Justin was talking about that earlier, the, the Thanksgiving that they celebrated. They, thanks, they were giving thanks for those little few corns of, of grain or uh, what, whatever it was that they had there. Life is difficult, but God is there for us, and that is something to be thankful about. God is good, and his love endures forever for you, for me. I don't know what it is your life is like. And again, we, we could go around the room and get, you know, a hundred different uh, stories, and it'd be fascinating to hear, but you know where you are. And I want to I encourage you that no matter what it is, 
no matter if you did it or you had nothing to do to make it happen, no matter where you are, if you turn to him, he will answer you. I can say that unequivocally. Now, is he going to answer you exactly the way you want him to? That's another story. He's going to answer you the best way that he knows for you and for me. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a God who hears. That you are good. You answer, you answer us with goodness. You fill us with goodness because you are good. And we can trust you because you are good and your love endures forever. Lord, I, I, I want to just stop and I want to say thank you for, the, for the, so many times in my life and over the past 40 years where I've got to these places where I, I had nowhere else to turn because I tried everything else and yet when I turned to you, you heard and you answered. I can think of just recently, very recent history in my own life where you heard my cry and you answered and helped. God, I pray for each one of us that we, we would have a relationship with you, that we would know you as the God who is good and who loves us and, and that you are there for us no matter what. I pray for our country, Lord. We have turned away. We have rebelled against your word. Father, it's, it's scary. I, I, I pray you'd forgive us. I pray you'd direct us back onto the path, Lord. We cry out to you as a as a people, as a nation, Lord. Father, may it begin in each one of us that as we turn to you, as we reestablish that relationship, that following of you and your word and, and what you want to do in our lives, we, we would be lights in this world, in this country. And Father, I close and I... I pray for any who have never got to that place where you realize you are lost. You, do, you need Jesus in your life. And you can pray with me right now and, and pray these words and say, Dear Jesus, I, I am lost. I can't find the way. But they're telling me that you are the way. And so I open my life to you. I, I ask you into my life, my heart. Forgive me as I turn to you today. Father, I pray for others maybe here today who are going through very serious trials and troubles. I pray for them that you would hear them speedily, mightily, and do a wonderful work. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.